right, we're recording Chronicles on the Fly and uh, it's been a great start to the morning because uh, just about to start the podcast and I've spilled coffee all over my my legs, my pants and my, my chair. So, well done, Simon. Brilliant. Well done, Simon. G'day, everyone. The worst tragedy about that is I've lost my coffee. <laughs> so, Told you to make another one. I've got to, well, now I've got to wait till after we finish doing the podcast and uh, I can go downstairs and make a new one. So what's oh, been going on this week? Uh, just work, work, work. Um, I've yeah. not, like I was telling you before, I've hardly paid attention to anything that's been going on in the world. Sometimes mm. that's a good thing. No, it is actually a good thing. Same with me. I've been pretty busy working, working, working myself. A lot of people I want a uh, JobKeeper. I'm getting a million questions about JobKeeper this, this week. That's all I've been doing, actually. Is Everyone wants their cash. Yes. Actually, a lot of businesses are starting to hurt out there now. Yeah. They're starting to see it. Starting I'm seeing a few, like, before the money was still coming in, um, people were still paying bills because the old accounts and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's starting. And no, I'm really seeing hurting, to be honest, is the um, landlords. A lot of my clients are landlords. Of commercial properties. Commercial properties. Yeah. So one one particular client who's got a tenant who happens to be in the hospitality industry, they're already five months behind and now they're going to be Another six months behind. So what's this, what's the story with um, in com- in commercial rentals? Uh, are landlords allowed to boot ten- tenants out? How's that? Uh, I don't think they can for six months. I think six months they're just still entitled to stay there without receiving a dollar. Well, pretty much as long as they can prove that they've been affected by COVID nineteen with an up to up to fifty percent reduction in rent. Well. <laughs> Well, tell that to the bank, unfortunately. Oh, this poor, this poor guy has got the bank screaming down his neck. They still want their full margin. They haven't adjusted anything. He's coming near the end of his term, you see, so they're not going to do anything. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty tough out there for a lot of guys. The last few podcasts, I don't think we've done a uh, COVID-19 WA stats check-in. What are we up to today? Well, there was no cases yesterday, so... No new cases yesterday. You know where... I- I've found a, a decent source just to find the quick stat is Mark McGowan's Twitter feed. That's pretty much all he posts once per day. Just posts, posts, I think it's at the end of the day, if I'm right. Um, just posts the latest stats for the day. And that seems to be it. So, yeah. For Friday, 1st of May, which was yesterday, obviously, the stats from Mr. Premier are zero new cases, 32 active cases. 32 active cases in the biggest region in the world. Is that right? WA is the biggest? One of the biggest states, yeah. Of any state or region, land, land mass-wise. Um, 511 cases have been recovered. Eight deaths. 551 confirmed cases, so that's including active and recovered and deaths. And 16 from unknown sources. Oh, just over 41,000 people have been tested and do not have it. So 32 cases in WA. It's just going down every day, isn't it? This is going, well, it's, well, how many this week? Two. Two cases and they both to do with overseas. One was with a boat. And one. It just seems like it won't be long until there's no cases left and then what happens? Well, are they going to shut us down or are they going to open it up or are they going to keep it closed? Oh, well, they've they've made such a hoo ha about everything, and it's going to look stupid if they just you know let's say 
two, three weeks' time, it's kind of all but over, <laughs> which on those stats it kind of looks like it is all but, all but over. Um, and then what are they going to do? Oh, don't worry about your job keeper and all that kind of stuff. Let's just, you know, continue on as, as normal. The thing is they're just keeping all the states kind of in line as much as possible, it seems. So, so I don't think that's going to happen. They're going to kind of act as if it still is a large issue, I think. Yes, yes, yes. I think they're still, they still have to. I think they really want to wipe it out, but until a vaccine's readily available. So you reckon there's going to be this working from home and self-isolation, even if we have zero cases in WA until there's a vaccine? Well, I reckon self-isolation is going to be in for a while. That's my, that's my opinion. But even, even if there's, you know... Or social distancing, I should say. So social distancing is going to be in for a while. Even if there's, you know, zero or just a handful of cases in the whole well, state? Well, we, we don't know. Who knows the way the government thinks these days? But look at it this way. What are they going to do with the football? You know, AFL's talking, coming back. Obviously, they're going to have a whole season with, with no one in the stadiums. Imagine having a grand final with no one in the stadium. Just right off the season, I reckon, honestly. Uh... Yeah, but they won't, they won't do it because of the, for the broadcast rights. It's as simple as that. They're worth too much money. At this point, I just don't really care what whether they play or not. It's just the interest is, for me anyway, has waned. Mm. Well, you're wearing your West Coast. You're wearing your West Coast Eagles stuff. I am wearing my, my old Eagles members, members shirt, but... Um, I've actually got a, I've got a new one. I just ordered a, uh, a new one. I'm waiting for it to be, to be delivered. So thanks, West, West Coast Eagles Superstore. Yeah, well, you got to thank for um, Australia Post because they have been absolutely abhorrent lately during this COVID-19. Delivery times have been an absolute joke. I waited three weeks to get a delivery from Queensland, nearly a month to get a delivery from New South Wales. I mean, I was like, are you serious? I was like, what is going on? Is that because they got ex- extra work to do or less stuff? Oh, I, I can't answer that. So, yeah, Australia Post. Oh, not the most efficient organisation at the best of times. You could far, say. far from it. Far from it. And now they've reduced deliveries to—is it every second day to your house? Is it? Oh well. Well, I've been getting my Amazon orders. You know, I I got a, a few things that I like on a subscription order every month or every second month. Uh, and they they seem to come fairly uh, on time. And if there's a, if they're a week late or so, it doesn't really they're not noticed. And I'm talking things like uh, nappies, baby wipes, things like that. Oh, the or the essentials, toilet paper. Even <laughs> I've always had, not always, but long before this, uh, you know, toilet paper crisis started and and everything. Actually, I wonder what's happened to the toilet. I haven't, I haven't been to the shops. Well, I'm, get, so. I'm getting to that. I was I was getting you know like large packs of toilet paper delivered. It's just easier. I always thought it was a, a, easier, and you know it would be like every second month I'd get a get it ordered in bulk. Um, so that I think that they had to skip one month recently, which didn't affect me. And then um, a couple of weeks ago, an, an order came. So yeah, no trouble there. But uh, yeah, the toilet paper crisis. I went to Coles the other day and absolutely chock a block full. No, well, it looked like no one had touched toilet paper off the shelves for a, for a month. <laughs> well, I don't think they have to touch toilet paper. Everyone's ordered it for that long. <laughs> <laughs> I just laughed. I was, I was almost going to take a photo of it and send it to all my mates. <laughs> Check this out. Because <laughs> that's what people were doing when they were, the shelves were empty. Uh, I mean, I went a couple of weeks ago to a local IGO. No, that was still out. Not that I needed anything. You just walked past it because I happened to be walking past it. Oh, okay, this must be the toilet paper. 
All right. Well, as I said, I've barely been taking notice of uh, any news this week because I've just been uh, head down, bum up with work. Um, but you had a few things, so maybe you can lead the way in some in topics today. I was just thinking uh, what your thoughts were on the mining magnate, Mr. Andrew Forrest, inviting the Chinese Victorian consul to the press conference with Greg Hunt. I don't think personally that was a very good move. I understand what he's trying to do because you don't want to upset your Apple cart, your biggest customer. But in saying that, you don't sabotage the press conference of the federal minister. So it was Greg Hunt's press conference. Press, with press conference. It was something, he was doing, uh, I believe it was something to do with the Mindaroo Foundation. Oh, that's Twiggy Forest Foundation. Yeah, and then he invited the consul from the Victorian consul. So, kind of high. Uh, so the was it the Chinese ambassador? Who who was it? Yeah, China. Yeah, the the, the, the consul general of Victoria. Okay, for China. So and just well, each state's got a consul general. So just all of, all of a sudden announced him on stage, and and yeah. the guy kind of hijacked. Oh, I didn't even say. I was like, I just saw the reports. I was like, really, Twiggy? I mean, really, Andrew? Come on. Basically, it was pro-China propaganda. Oh, well, I think to an extent. But you got to look at, um, I mean, that's that's absolutely wrong if Greg Hunt didn't know that that was going to happen at his own press conference. That's, that's what I think. I think the, my issue is not so much that the Chinese guy was there. It is what it is. But my issue is, is, is specifically why wasn't the minister informed that there was going to be a representative from the People's Republic of China? Talking at the press conference, his press conference, especially at the time at at in this time when it seems like the Australian Australian and Chinese governments are butting heads over having a review or in, inquiry about you know how this coronavirus began, which seems logical to do. And I think that was the second time Forrest has done that because he did it with Roger Cook here as well, so with the with the WA Consul General, Madam Dong. From Andrew Forrest's perspective. Right, so he obviously he's the head of Fortescue Medicals Group, and who's his client? He's got one client, China. Right, China. <laughs> Where else does his metal go to? His iron ore go to? Uh, and I get his point. You don't want to upset that point. No, I understand, and I totally get that you need China Australia relations. You don't want to strain them, but they're going to be fair. That's what I. That's what I believe. Because it's like at the end of the day, there was no need for the consul to be present at that meeting. So in the current context of the, the two countries' governments butting heads over this, you know, virus review type of thing, it makes Forrest look like a, a, a shill for the Chinese government. Well, it does in a way. But, again, look, I understand what he's trying to do. He's protecting his vested interest. And I get that. And I get that. But there's ways to do it and there's ways probably not to. I don't think he did it the right way. There you go. Well, what specifically did the... Uh, ambassador or whatever he was. Oh, I don't say. think there was anything specific, but it's just the way, you know, we, we come to a crisis that initially there was this whole virus come from China. So it's it's kind of a bit weird that you'd be thanking the Chinese for supplying you with PPE for a virus they created. Yeah, well, that goes to uh, the arsonist is holding the fire hose, right? <laughs> which, which we called one of our episodes a few a few episodes back. Yeah. So, and also, Kerry Stokes got involved again. I'm like, guys, just don't get involved. <laughs> it's not your Kerry Stokes. Not your, what did he have? To yeah, do Kerry. I think he he said something about China as well. It's I think he basically told the prime minister not to poke the bear too much, uh, the Chinese bear. I was like, well, 
He's not. I, mean, I can understand his frustration. The Prime Minister's frustration with the whole situation. You can understand that. So Stokes worried that uh, China's going to open a start start a war war with Australia or even an economic war. Probably, but I can understand Mr. Stokes because he's got a vested interest too. What are his interests? Well, West Track supplies all the machines to okay. <laughs> the mines. Who's the mine supplier? So obviously he's got a vested interest too, hasn't he? So I also like how off the, the subject there, how the bidding is amazingly able to fly to Victoria and not being quarantined. So this press conference was in Victoria? Correct. So Forrest has flown over there, okay. Obviously, he come from Perth, so he's gone there. So, whatever to his fourteen day mandatory quarantine. <laughs> uh, like we were saying, was it last week we were saying some some billionaires are more equal than others? Oh, I think it's uh, everyone's equal, just some more than others, as the the great book Animal Farm states. Troughs in the snout, snouts in the trough. <laughs> I should say. <laughs> oh, I'm not accusing anyone. I just find it, you know, it's a bit. Uh, not, not, I don't think it's not a good look anyway. That's what I'm trying to say. The President of the United States talking about bleach. Did you see that? Oh, just snippets, so I don't know the full context. So let me let me hear it. Yeah, I don't think he's well portrayed in the media over there. So, and there, all the reports come from CNN and NBC and ABC. All the so, what is it about bleach? Is it about being able to inject? Inject in the, bleach. Yeah, because he goes. Perhaps you can inject it and kill the virus, uh, but I don't think. I think he meant that with an element of sarcasm, but I, of course the media didn't obviously take it that way. So was he setting up the media to write that or, or spread that as an as a as fact type of thing coming from him? Oh, well, I don't think. No, no. I think he said it sarcastically because in the context of the way the question was asked to him, he replied sarcastically. But either way, as a president of the United States, you don't. This sarcasm shouldn't be shouldn't get involved. At a time like this, a press conference that he does daily about the you know situation in in America, he should not be trying to take the piss. Oh, absolutely. Unfortunately, his biggest downfall is going to be the one percenters. His one percenters actually crucify him, as in if he actually stayed off Twitter and didn't make any smart ass remarks and all these comments, he would actually wouldn't be a bad president because if you look at his statistics, they're not actually that bad. His statistics of running the country have been pretty good. When you look at the fact that he's going to be up against sleepy Joe Biden, all he needs to do is stay silent and give Biden enough rope to hang himself. Or, no, all he's got to do is, is throw a hook out to Biden because Biden will take it and, and swallow it. That's all that's going to happen. Exactly. If he's smart, he'll just throw a hook out, say something, a bit obscure, and Biden, his response will be, what is he talking about? Because I don't think even people know. He might have been asleep when he asked him the question. So <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's interesting times. We're interesting six months ahead when it comes to the presidential election. Oh, here's one. Here's one for you. In the AFL, this is one I'd... I'd a uh, story I sort of did take notice of is what a joke. Now that they're going to go back training over in Victoria, they can only train in groups of two. But in Australia, in Western Australia, it's more relaxed. They can tr- they are allowed to congregate in groups of ten. So, in other words, train in groups of ten. However, Victorian AFL clubs complained to the AFL 
that Western, Western Australian clubs would have an unfair advantage. So the AFL has now restricted Fremantle and West Coast to only remain training in groups of two rather than groups of 10 so that they don't get a, an unfair advantage over Victorian clubs. Can you believe that? I believe that was started by Richmond, I believe, from what I understand. Oh, man. That was was from Richmond. Richmond, who has a run of, what, seven or eight games at home leading into final series and don't have to to leave their suburb. Unbelievable. It's it's not unbelievable. It's perfectly believable. I don't normally agree with Kane Corns, very rarely, but that time there, he was 100%. um, He was 100% right. He came out on South Australian radio um, smashing that, that decision. But the thing is, it's in South Australia. But when, when, when the, the voice of dissent is in South Australia or Western Australia, it doesn't hold as much water. You know what I mean? Someone Victorian in Victoria has to stand up and say this is a joke. Well, Mick Malthouse said it was a joke. Did he? Okay. Well, that's, that's a good example. Mick Malthouse knows what it's like, the pro-Victorian or Victorian-centric AFL, being that he, you know, coached over in WA for such a long time. That just proves that the AFL is capitalist in operations, uh, capitalist in, in nature, but operates in a socialist way. Exactly. You know, they only care about the money when it comes to the games, but when it comes to the running of it day-to-day, it's very socialist. This is what I mean about this, this AFL. It's just, it's just degenerated into a farce. So who cares about this season, mate? Just let it on. Whoever wins this season, it's just it just doesn't mean anything. No, I'll still take it if we win. You reckon? I'll still take hundred percent I'll take it. <laughs> you take it, but it's just not normal. I'll still take it in the story. Still take it. Well, look, at the end of the day, we and I was telling you a few weeks ago that they were talking about doing these hubs and you didn't you you didn't quite believe me. No, they reckon now now it's not gonna happen. Oh, it's not now. You see the last, yeah, they reckon it's not gonna happen. They reckon it's a joke. Yeah. Oh, okay, not going to happen. Is this because the players have become crybabies and don't don't want to go away for a few months? No, no I think it's because the numbers are so low. So what, that's what, what they were num- saying. What numbers are so low? Numbers of COVID-19. In the whole country? Yeah, in the country have been pretty good. So they were saying they might be able to. So what, they'll be able to play a normal season then? Well, they reckon the season will start end of June, early July. What, and go to December or something? And go to October, end of October. What about what about fans in stadiums? Well, from what I heard, what the report was, there was no fans at this stage. That would be a very interesting grand final, wouldn't it? Mm. A grand final with no no fans in the stand, stadiums. I watched the games when West Coast played Melbourne. I think it was. It was a bit bland. It was lacking something. Round one. Yeah, I told you. I didn't even watch the full game. It was just. It was like it was like a training drill. Just didn't seem like a, a real game. Yeah, it was, it was lacking. But the AFL and all their wisdom and Victorian footballers always make a decision that benefits them. And it's like I still reckon it's sneaky that they signed that contract to all the, the finals played in Melbourne at the uh, MCG. That went through the radar. So was it till twenty forty five or twenty fifty something? When was that last year? Was it last year that was signed? I think it was last year. Yeah. It was a bit sneaky. I reckon I would love to see like all the interstate teams just break away and form their own league. Hang on, it would never happen. I know, I know. And then slowly, you know, like other Victorian clubs would kind of 
probably trickle over as well. I think that it needs it needs to be. Uh, I mean, this is a good time to clean out a bit of Deadwood, e.g., the the less financially stable clubs. So, being what North Melbourne, St Kilda, St Kilda, uh, Western Bulldogs, merge them or or just they go under. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's just I just can't see it happening. How's work going? You been busy? Finishing up a couple projects, got a couple more on the go. Has your industry suffered from this? Do you think it's suffered? My that's a good question. My industry. I don't have a lot of contact with other people in my industry. You know what I mean? All my contact is with people in the industries I do work for. So building, construction, um, you know, cabinetry, renovations, these types of industries. That are, you know, I've got clients in, in other industries as well, but they're, they're the bulk of it. I suppose you could say my, my niche area. But, you know, dealing with other people that do web design and, I mean, and that's not entirely true. I mean, I do, I do speak to, like, a, you know, a copywriter. You know, she sometimes does work for me. She's, uh, she's suffered a bit. Unfortunately, she's had some cancellations of her own clients. So she had a, I can't remember who her client was, but a regular, like she was writing regular articles like fortnightly. So that was, you know, good income for her. And they just, as soon as this crisis started, they just called her up and cancelled that on the spot. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So, you know, you could say, you know, maybe 30% of her income just stopped dead. Well, most in my industry have been pretty busy, obviously, due to JobKeeper and everyone worried about. And also comes this time of year where May 15th is a deadline to lodge a tax return, so everyone's pretty busy. But all my clients, again, mixed, mixed reports. That's all I can say. It's just mixed. Some people bleeding, dying, nothing. Now, even in construction, some are dying and others are like, I was speaking to one particular client here and he's the busiest he's ever been. I know that um, my, my, my brother's an accountant and he's had a reduction in his hours, in his, in his weekly hours and that, you know, proportionally to his, to his pay as well, I think. Um, yeah, and he said, you know, it's been a lot of uh, answering inquiries from, from the, the firm's clients, more so than um, doing build work. Work, work that they can bill for. Oh, I 100% agree with that. All my, all my work's been purely inquiry work. And can you send me for JobKeeper? Do this, do that. How much have I? I was like, it's all that. Yeah, but is that is that something that, that you are charging for? Well, we're gonna have to make a company decision on that soon. So. I think so, because if that's all you're doing, you know, doing applications for for people for JobKeeper, JobSeeker, or whatever it is, well, that's works work. At the end of the day, every individual could do that themselves, couldn't they? Well, they a, lot, a lot of people haven't got the money, so I'm, that's, that's the other issue. What are you going to do, bill them? Not get paid? <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah. We're, we're in a cash money too. I mean, your, your brother's firm's a lot larger, a lot more. Um, he's like a tier, tier one, tier two sort of firm, so more. I think his clientele is obviously a lot more bigger than ours. Whereas a mum and dad businesses. You'd have to ask him, but, yeah, I think they do have more. Um, more, more businesses, yeah. Yeah, completely, like, completely different. Mine are a lot of mum and dad sort of businesses. Whereas your brothers are like proper 
large scale, small to medium or more medium enterprises as one of our one man bands. So I think it's a, it's a bit different. Uh, our clientele. But look, I've um, I've scheduled in a meeting with um, another prospect for next week. Um, so that that's one that came to me rather than me having to go and look for them. So someone who wants to actually start advertising. So I love that when people just, t- you know, grab, grab the bull by the horns, you know what I mean? And just, because you know, I spoke to him yesterday and he said that business on the residentials, he's a, he's a cabinet maker and does kitchen renovations and that type of thing. And he said he's okay on the commercial side. He's got some builders that he does commercial work for, um, maintenance work and things like that, and that's ticking over. But he said the residential side has dried up. It's kind of gone flat. And, but however, I know that I know that the demand is out there. It's just that you've got to go and find it now, rather than just wait and let them come to you. So yeah, he's he's probably going to you know start a a Facebook advertising campaign to capture leads um, because you know, like I've told you before, the demand's out there because people are at home. They're they're looking around. What can you know, what can we do? You know, DIY jobs in, you know, in their mind, they, they're going to Bunnings, you know, emptying shelves at Bunnings and yeah. So now's the time for, you know, home office fit outs are in demand, kitchen renovation jobs and things like that. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll sign on, probably, we'll probably just start, you know, do a, a small campaign for a month as a trial. Um, I'm expecting some good results like I've, like I've previously got for other clients. And then we'll take it from there. We'll see uh, if you know he wants to actually expand his business. He's only like a you know himself and a few others in his in his cabinetry workshop, but he wants to expand that, including you know on the administration side as well. So yeah, there's opportunity out there. You just got to go finding it. You know, it's just I think a lot of businesses are used to just waiting and letting the demand come to them, but now they've got to be proactive. And the ones that are being proactive are actually getting somewhere. Yeah, I've sort of noticed that as well. Yeah, and I have, I have, um, I've been told that you know some some consumers, let's say, have been you know a little bit cautious about letting tradesmen into their homes and things like that. But I think you know construction and you know trades need to uh, just reassure people that they're going to take you know um, you know like the HIA. The Housing Industry Association has, you know, and, and probably the Master Builders Association, I would imagine too. They have, you know, a set of guidelines in place that you can find on their website to, you know, how to, um, you know, correctly and safely isolate or, or you know, or social distance when you're going on sites, whether that be for renovation work or, or new home constructions and things like that. So things like. Um, builders are limiting the amount of trades on sites at you know at one particular time um, and things like that and you know using using correct wearing correct um, protect protective equipment you know face mask gloves things like that so it, you know work doesn't need to stop on um, you know construction and trades in the construction and trades industry and also I think our construction sites especially in residential home they're distant enough anyways if you're a tiler you're not necessarily working Right next door to well, the cabinet, for time, I mean, my, I come from a family of tilers, you know, my, my dad and my brother. And 
I mean, usually when it's at a, when a new home build is at tiling stage, usually it's only the tiler or the tilers on the on the job. Sometimes there there might be the painter or even or even um, a carpenter or bobcat driver. Yeah, yeah, even that's rare. Um, for for the for the bulk of the time, you know, that that the tiling's going on, it's just the tiler. Um, but but that's at that stage of a build, it's easy for for the builder to you know limit you know they could even just limit it to only the tiler or the tiling team on site you know if if there's still some painting to be done that can be done after the tiler's finished for example you know so you know and that might mean that to complete the build might take i don't know an extra few weeks an extra month even but at this point people need to be flexible to you know let that happen i think i'm sure i'm sure that's going on so yeah, like I said, I've got a client who's a tiler as well. Same thing he told me. He goes, builder, one trade per house, per job. There so, right, there you go. Yeah. See? And that's and that's without actually being told that specifically by any by any builders. That just seems like a logical thing that they would be doing. So, yeah, and I think that's been uh, part of the HIA's guideline as well to, to, to manage projects that way. I was thinking, my son, we can talk about events or places you want to see in your life on your bucket list. Because I was thinking about that today because I've been watching the Goodwood Festival. I've never heard of it. What is it? It's a car festival in England. And what they do is they do like, like from what I understand, like guy karmas up. Like they do little short races, time trials, they call it. And I've been watching it lately on YouTube. I suggest you watch it. It is unbelievable, some of the cars they get there. I was watching it and they had Formula One cars, NASCARs, um, rally cars, just going to do this. And you get to see the difference in time and the drivers, old Fiats, old Lamborghinis, old Bugattis. It's, it's incredible, incredible. Whereabouts is this? Well, it's in England somewhere. It's in the UK you somewhere. You don't know where, what town or city. Probably Goodwood, I assume. So. Oh, okay. If you, get, <laughs> if you get a chance, just type in Goodwood Festival on YouTube. And I'll tell anyone out there, just have a look. I just have a look. Some of the cars and some of the and, and some of and some of the the drivers that race in these. I think Nick Heinfeld was there. Um, I saw a, there was a Red Bull race car. I think Daniel Ricciardo might have been there as well. But it looks like because his Renault was there last year. So okay, so it's called the Goodwood Festival of Speed, and it's actually been postponed for 2020. Surprise, surprise. Uh, yeah. Okay, interesting. Now, I like, I like cars. So I know you don't mind cars, but you probably watch it and go, well, the, so it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty awesome to see some of these cars do these time trials. I think the record at the moment is 39 seconds on the time trial, and that's done by an electric car, an electric Volkswagen. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Have you seen the, um, the motorbike race that they do in – the Isle of Man. Isle of Man. The TT. The TT. Those people, honestly, are insane. What's what's TT stand for? I, I can't remember what TT means. I don't know what it stands for. I've just watched it. I'm going myself. They to say they have no fear is not so. They they must they must be made of stainless steel. Well, it's uh, every year. There's there's at least one death. It seems like they they go flying off cliffs and oh, it's incredible. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I've seen accidents where they've slammed into walls and we're talking like, you know, 250 kilometres an hour type of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
They they fly up, fly over hills and get airborne. Amazing stuff. Yeah. And they're and they're amateur riders mostly, aren't they? Oh yeah. There was a famous rider. He made the TV show. I forgot his name. There was a, there was a documentary about it. I, I watched oh, a number of years ago now. Yeah. See so anyway, who was this rider? He's a he's, I forgot his name. He's a famous rider. He does it all the time. But he and he done a TV show. He, he you can see they're just not they're not your standard person. His mindset time is not not normal. Like what he does is just like even and a, a guy um, guy Martin. He's a British motorcycle rider and he's specialised in the Isle of Man. And if you watch this documentary about Guy Martin, you, you can just look at this guy and you go, man, this guy's not normal. He's just got no fear. It, it might have been postponed for this year as well because I'm looking on the website now and it says 29th of May till the 12th of June 2021. So it goes for two weeks. It's not a one-off race. They must have a bunch of different categories and stuff. So That'd be pretty interesting. Well, yeah, I don't mind going to watch that. I mean, I would love to go to Monaco one day, Monaco Grand Prix. Yes. I'm just talking purely motorsport right I now. Think, I think you'd love that. Um, all right, so events events on my bucket list. Um, are obviously, one we've mentioned previously is to go and see the Yankees, and I'd love to go and see the Yankees in the World Series. That would be better. If the buggers would get to the World Series again, would be nice. Um, what else? Yeah. Even the Super Bowl would be awesome to see as a spectacle. Uh, as a spectacle. I mean, those, that... that that would be amazing. At least you get your money's worth. Four hours. It's actually one sport that I've never taken. I've never taken the time to try and understand it. That's the thing. It, it it's never grabbed me. I had a gentleman explain it to me once, and it's like, oh, is that already? It's not. It wasn't like really complex, but it was. I forgot what he actually told me because it was like twenty years ago. So, it's too. It's too stop and start for me, for my liking. However, having said that. I do love watching baseball. So, you know, you could say that's stop and start as well. That's extremely stop and start. Yeah, I know, but I just love the I love the intricacies of baseball. And granted, I mostly only watch when the Yankees are playing. You know, if it's not if it's two teams and not including the Yankees, uh, show me the highlights. But if the Yankees are playing, I do love to watch I'm happy to watch the whole game. It's just something about that that franchise that I just fell in love with back in the uh, mid to late 90s when they were, you know, going on their, their dynasty run. Um, and I've, I've, I've loved them ever since. Even an NBA final would be good to watch, Game 7. Yeah. Oh, on NBA, you, are you up to date with the Last Dance documentary? 100%. Wow, this is, this is awesome, isn't it? I'm loving this series. I actually watched, like I, I told you before, I watched a documentary, Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Um, What's it called? My God. Uh, thought, no, I can't remember. It's, it's the 30 by 30. 30, of, 30 for 30. Yeah. Yep. 30 for 30, Dennis Rodman. He's a very complex guy. Like, that's the only word I could use to describe him. So uh, was it episode three or episode four of The Last Dance where they were, I think it was episode three. With Dennis Rodman, it was, Dennis, it was, it was fo- focused on Rodman, but started kind of when he was at Detroit Pistons. Yeah, I actually never realised, I never knew that Rodman won two uh, championships with with Detroit. 88, 89. and they really had the wood over the Chicago Bulls for for a good three years in a row. Well, Isaiah Thomas didn't make the uh, ninety two Dream Team because 
because of his beef with Michael Jordan. Oh, really? They couldn't stand each other? Oh, well, I think Michael couldn't stand Isaiah more than the other way around. Because Isaiah Thomas was a really, really awesome player. Yeah, but they were, they were thugs, Detroit. Anyway, the, the way they're portrayed in, the, in the, the Last Dance documentary there. I think they even admit they were a bit rough. Well, I think they knew that they were technically not as good as some of the other teams in the league. So the way to counter that was to rough them up. Like the way they, play, the way they played Jordan was to not allow him to jump, basically. So as soon as he was, would run into the key, just crowd him out and, and foul him out. Pretty much, eh? And it worked. Pretty much. It worked. And, and someone made a good point. Um, like, would LeBron James, how would he have coped against those guys? Because I was like, a really good question. I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about today's game. LeBron's very strong, isn't he? He's, he's physically a mountain, isn't he? Mm, he's pretty strong, yeah. But does he, ha- does he have, I mean, I suppose no one in history has had the, the leap of Jordan, but does he have a, a pretty good leap? LeBron? Oh, yeah, he's, LeBron's awesome. There's no question about it. <laughs> he's just an overall awesome player. Um, yeah, it's just like how would a guy like that put it, be in the team of those guys with physically that? I think today's more like foul, 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 from what I can see compared to what are those guys. I mean, they would have been ejected. Hardly. And I love the way the Bulls coach Phil Jackson, when, when, they, when they drafted or did they draft or trade for – um, they traded for Rodman. Rodman, yeah, Rodman. They traded for him. So when he came, well, he went from Pistons to San Antonio. Did he even spend a full season with San Antonio? I don't know. Yeah, no, he done yeah, a couple of seasons with San Antonio. A couple of seasons was it? Okay. Yeah. And then and then they got him. Yeah, they were never going to go from. He was never going to go from Pistons to Bulls. I, was pro- I suppose the rivalry was too was too. And actually, not they actually said. I think it was in the documentary was. I think he was in the 30 for 30 by Dennis Rodman, how the Bulls public actually accepted him because there was fear that they weren't going to accept him as a Bulls player. Well, like I said, they, he had that buffer period between the two rival teams. So that I suppose that helps. And he was so good, right? He was just a rebound king, right? He was just a rebound magnet. Hey, those, those scenes where, he, where he, he juggles those rebounds over the top of other people's heads, you know, it's just amazing to watch how... Yeah, he, the ball was just attracted to him. And, like, he'd throw his body on the ground in the crowd. He just, he was, well, that's what he said. He was, just, he was just not afraid to get hurt if that's what it took. Actually, the other documentary on the 30 by 30 was talking about how much of an animal. And, and Jordan did bring it up in the last dance for a little bit as, as a beast of an animal he was for training. Um, right. They reckon he went out one, yeah, reckon, they reckon one night they went out and he, got, he drank 40... Jägermeister, Jäger bombs, 40 of them. I'd be dead. <laughs> yeah, most blokes would be like, and they reckon he woke up and he went training like it just, it, like it just didn't affect him. Most blokes would have been unconscious, for taking, hung over for two days. They reckon, reckon he, he went to training first thing in the morning, like no effect at all. I reckon for that he was absolutely incredible. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't get it, mate. For, I remember when I, when I was playing soccer, I would have to prepare almost, not quite, but almost meticulously, you know, not eat too much and that kind of thing, you know, like say the morning of the game. If I had too much of a big breakfast, I'd be, I'd feel lethargic. And then you get, I remember one particular player, he'd rock up to a game eating McDonald's. Like 
coming into the change rooms with bags of McDonald's and Hungry Jacks and everyone would just be, you know, laughing and shaking their head. He'd go out and take on the whole team and score a goal. You know, it was, it was amazing. Mm. You get those freaks. And that's what yeah. they reckon Rodman was, was just one of those guys that come physically like, and like, athletically was a, was a, was a machine. Yeah. Absolute machine. Like who could drink 40 drinks and still get up to go play training first thing in the and, and, st- and our performer. And our performer, yeah. And I was going back going back to the manager, Phil Jackson, I was going to say, I loved the way he managed Rodman differently than he managed other players. So, you know, he didn't treat his players like robots. He treated them all individually. So Rodman was an eccentric character. Well, he still is. Was a real eccentric character and had to be given more leeway, more rope. Yeah. So when he said... Coach, I need to I need to go on a vacation. And he let him go. Mid season. He was going to miss games. Said, Yep, off, you know, no worries, come back. And uh, and they gave him two days. They let him go on a they let him go on a two day vacation to Vegas. He didn't come back for for I think they said eighty eight hours <laughs> rather than forty eight hours. And Jordan had to go and drag him out of his bed to take him to, to training. Now what they didn't say was with Carmen Electra. Carmen Electra was in his, <laughs> in, his, in his bed. Now, I think what they, didn't say, what they didn't say in the documentary was that Jordan lived across the road from the United Centre, I think is where um, the Bulls played and trained. So he, he didn't have to go to Vegas to get him. He was, at, he was at his apartment across the road. He just had to go and get him. And then he, and then he came back and outperformed them in training. Yeah. They, they did a running drill. Yeah, he killed them. And he, he, just, them. he just killed them. Unbelievable, huh? <laughs> Freak of nature. Talking about ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries, I just recorded one uh, about the Detroit Pistons. It's called The Bad oh, Boys. The Bad Boys. Yeah, yeah, I haven't watched it, but I'm looking forward to sitting down and watching that. I've got, I've got a few recorded on Fox Hill. I've got Jordan Rides the Bus. That's the one where Jordan leaves the Bulls and goes for a, a year or a year and a half to play, minor, to play, to play minor league yeah. baseball. Yeah, the, the bad boys about Detroit, Piston, the Detroit Pistons and there's one about Reggie Miller as well. Uh, I, did, I wasn't really a fan of Reggie Miller. I've been saying that. I wasn't a fan of the Indiana Pacers. So. I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know a lot about him. It's just there was – I was going through the list of what they're showing and I just, I just went record, record, record. I'm getting, I'm getting into basketball now, which is – have you been, after each episode, have you been listening to the podcast? No, no, I've got to go. Well, after each episode, they do a, a podcast episode with the director. So there's really good information in there as well about, you know, how, the, how he went about getting the interviews. And we said that when, when he went to interview Dennis Rodman, he's waiting for him in a hotel lobby. Rodman rocks up like two hours late and he's like, uh, he's saying to him, and Rodman's saying to him, you know, well, what's this about? What's this for? And he's going, I've already explained to you, I'm doing a 10-hour documentary about the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> Rodman is just, you know, so flaky, you know, just didn't care. And, and Rodman goes, all right, I'll give, I'll give you 10 minutes. <laughs> but he said he, in the end he ended up talking to him for a couple of hours. But, yeah. but, but you know, the other thing was um, Rodman, he, the, the other 30 for 30 documentary shows he wasn't a very good father to his children. Was. No, it wasn't. Wasn't. Oh, wasn't. wasn't a very good okay. father. Yeah. Well, who did he have kids with? Did he have kids with Carmen Electra? No, I didn't have Carmen Electra. He had first wife and he had one daughter. 
Then he had another boy and a girl with his second wife. Third wife, actually. Okay. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think he was um, a good father. And and even on his NBA Hall of Fame speech, he actually said that. He goes, for the one regret in life is I should have been a better father. Mm. So. All right. Now, you said to me during the week that uh, you finished season one of The Sopranos. Yes, I did. So let's recap. You're, you're way ahead of me now. I'm up to uh, episode 11 of season one. Yeah, no, Have you started no, season two? No, I haven't started season two. So let's just okay. start. So, what did you two. think of season one? Um, it got better towards towards the end. A mm. lot, lot better. Yeah, had to build um, up. Yeah. I get very like I, some of the characters I'm very frustrated with. Who? The mum. I really can't stand his mum. Yeah, she's she's off the chart, but. She has to. That's, that's, oh, actually, her, that's her. That's yeah. her role. That's her character. So yeah, I think it, it is. But even her character, her role, I didn't like it. I, don't, I really did not like it. No, I, she. I found her annoying. From I found her annoying in the early episodes, and then I came to a hate in the last episodes. I thought, especially when she snitched on Tony. There, I thought about seeing a psychiatrist. Yeah, but I was like, "How dare you, right? How dare you snitch on your son?" So no one is going to get whacked. Yeah, and I thought, what kind of mo- what kind of mother are you? Well, she's. I mean, the, in an earlier episode to that, she when they're doing a flashback scene. Mm. Remember the father, Tony's father, wanted to go away to start a business in Detroit or something. Yeah, right. And she cracks it and and won't allow it. Mm. So basically, that was his chance to get out of the mob. Yeah. Okay, whatever, whatever they were trying to set up, something legitimate. And she cracked it and wouldn't allow it. And she actually said, I would rather smother the kids and kill them than allow you to go. Right? So she was a psycho, absolute psycho, way, way back from the early days. Yeah, she, I, I, didn't, I didn't like her at all. No, she's not a likable character, but she's, she's, a, she's a brilliant, brilliant actress, but the way she plays the role. And when she, when she's, um, and she told her about Artie, Artie Buffer, what's his name there? Artie Booker, how... She tells Artie that Tony arranged to blow up the restaurant. Yeah. 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 I thought, gee, man. But this is, this, is, this is her character. But I loved how Tony at the end goes, you want to kill your own son? <laughs> I was talking to her <laughs> when she was going, in fact, when you got a stroke then. When she was getting wheeled away in the, in the hospital bed, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant scene. Absolutely brilliant scene. Um. I don't mind Christopher. Uh, I, I, I'm glad that other guy got whacked. Um, Which? Junior's, junior's right-hand man there. Mikey Palmichi. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad in, I the, like in the Poison yeah. Ivy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm re- I did not like him. No, he was a, he was a, he's a slimy character, yeah. Slimy character. Uh, I didn't like uh, – who else I didn't like? I didn't mind um, – uh, what's his name? Aprilia, the one who died, the one who got whacked in the end. What's his name? The, the couple there, the couple who got whacked. Um, Altieri. Yeah, I didn't mind him, but I, but the more I think about it, he was he was a Jimmy Jimmy was a rat. Jimmy Altieri, I think he was a rat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah it yeah. was just I don't think it was ever confirmed, but it was just too obvious. Yeah, yeah. And they said like he said, "Oh God, or dear, or." You know, when he, before he got whacked? I can't remember how he, how he got killed. How he got they killed, killed when, oh, Sylvia shot him from behind. 
Where? I, I just can't remember this one. I took him to go see some ladies of the night. And, uh... Oh, in the hotel room. Hotel room, yeah. Yes, that's right. Yes, yes. Uh, was that the final? Is that the final episode of the season? Second last thing. I think okay. second last Um Yeah, I think I'm up to episode seven or eight. And I don't like the priest. I can't stand that priest. Oh yeah, yeah. That's just a weird. That's a weird plot line, isn't it? The priest and and Carmela. No, nah, just a priest full stop. No one. I don't. I've never been a fan. You know my feelings on priests and. Um, <laughs> Like, yeah, just no. Nah, does that doesn't doesn't work for me? Doesn't really work, you know. The priest whole thing doesn't really. Uh, I don't. I didn't get the priest thing. I really don't get the priest. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's you know it's showing that Kamala is you know feeling guilt about being married to a, a mafia boss, and you know so she's looking for spiritual forgiveness, guidance, whatever. But where she's trying to find that, she's also attracted to this this priest. So she's looking for two things, you know, someone someone who's not Tony, obviously, and you know, and spiritual guidance or whatever. And yeah, she's looking for both in the one place, and it's just a weird plot line. Um, it's a weird plot. That one and the, 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 the very weird plot line. That the um, exchange girl student there, the Sicilian girl. I'm not up to that. No, I can't. That was episode 11 where, where he's dreaming. He's daydreaming that Kuzumano's got an exchange. Oh, is that, is that season one? Yes. Oh, she's just ridiculous. That is Maria Grazia Cucinotta, I think. That's the one. Yes, yes, yes. She was uh, Sicilian Miss Italy, I think. Yeah, she's quite a pretty pretty lady there. Oh, yes. Not bad. She's, she's an older woman now, but yeah, she's... Yeah, that's a, but that's a dream sequence. And yeah. I, I don't like the dream sequences in The Sopranos throughout. There's there's a number of them throughout the whole six seasons. Most of them I find annoying. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I suppose, you know, some creative license by by David Chase, but I never I never liked them. And I don't know, that's what I liked was pretty cool was when Tony was supposed to get whacked there, how like when Chris pulled up and blocked the blocked those two guys from, from getting out of the car. He didn't realise he just followed the assassination. He followed the, the way the way that I like how screen, the screen wrote that. How like Chris pulled up in front of Stracharli's there. He walked in. Was, uh, they were going to whack him. Uh, I can't remember. Whack. I'm not up to it, and I can't remember it. I mean, I've I've probably seen it twice before, but oh, it's just everything everything blurs when you haven't seen it for a few years. And I actually don't know. I said not a fan of his Chris. Um, oh yeah, uh, what's his name? Um, his missus there, Chris, uh, was it Chris Montesano? What's his name? Montesanti. Yeah, Mont- yeah, his missus there. What's it? Andrea? What's her name? What's her name in the actual TV show? That's a real name, actually. The blonde one. Andrea De Matteo. Yeah. Um, what's her name in the show? Adriana. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of her. Not a fan of her character at all. She's actually doing a podcast at the moment. It's just started recently, doing the same thing that that Chris is doing with with another guy going through episode by episode and reviewing them. I think they started it at the same time. I listened to one episode and it wasn't great. I didn't, I didn't like it much, so I didn't get through it. I don't, I don't actually – not that, I don't like her character. She's got like too much, almost too much power over, over him. I don't, uh, I don't actually like her. Not quite. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but that's – maybe a bit later it doesn't, but as in – 
what I'm saying is um, like the whole music deal. You know how they're talking about the music deal? Oh, yes, 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 her ex-boyfriend like or something. Her ex-boyfriend. Like, what's he doing there, man? You're burning money. With the Sopranos, I could I, maybe only season six I could tell you or maybe maybe even season five I could tell you what happens when and that type of thing. Yeah. I haven't got all the seek. It's all in my head but all jumbled up. Yeah. And and to put all the puzzles in place, I need to go through and watch the whole six seasons all over again, which I'm which I've started doing now. So I'll I'll start I'll start doing uh, season um, I'll, I'll season two this week now. So between between the last dance and that, I'll, I'll get onto it. I'll get onto it. Well, the last dance comes out. Is it is it Monday nights? Monday, they come out. Yeah, Monday. Yeah, yeah Monday. Oh, hang out for those. It's brilliant. Really, really cool. Topic. It's probably Just, good that they they they're um, drip feeding. Two per week, rather than all all one big bang. Actually, you know, um, one show that you need to watch on Netflix is Afterlife by with Ricky Gervais. Have you seen it or heard of it? No, my wife watched it. I haven't seen it. Oh, Mel, what a show! Hilarious. We're talking about Ricky Ricky Gervais, one of the greatest comedians of all time, if you ask me. Yeah. Oh man. Season two just dropped, and and my wife and I, I think we watched it in two nights. It's it's only six episodes, which go for about twenty six minutes each. So it's not it's not a huge investment of time. But start on season one. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. There's everything in this show. There's absolute piss funny humor. You will wet your pants laughing. It's so good. Uh, mate, make you was cry. That, was that someone died? Someone died in his family? Or? It's it's about his. It's the premise is that he's he's basically depressed and almost given up on life because his wife died of cancer. That's right. Wife, that's right. Which sounds which sounds absolutely depressing, but mate, this show is just the Dude, best. I thing. Actually, you know, what? I did amazing. watch the first episode of that. My wife goes, "Watch it, watch it. You like it?" I'm like, "It's brilliant." Mm. It's starting. It's absolutely genius. This show is absolutely genius. From one minute to the next, you you'll almost be in tears to absolutely wetting your pants laughing to the next scene almost being in tears again. It's so good. It just plays with your emotions. It's mate, it's sensational. It's so good. It's so good. You just have to watch it. Go back to go back to season one, episode one. Watch start it again. Yeah, I did watch it. I'll watch it again. I'll, I'll give I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. I can't believe you didn't continue with it. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, you know, man, I'm into documentaries. Oh, it's such a good show. Ricky Gervais is just a genius. I follow this guy on YouTube named Bald and Bankrupt. You ever heard of him? I don't know if I've spoken to you about Bald this and guy. Bankrupt. No, no, Bald and Bankrupt. Bald. Oh, as bald and Bankrupt. No, bald. No. This guy's got no hair, right? Sounds like he it. He goes around. Or like Russia and Moldova and all these countries, incredible man. Go watch it out. But he just by himself mm. and throws himself in situations like, man, this guy's got. He's, he's either mad or he's got no fear. Is this I watch all his YouTube, YouTube. No YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. Just I always watch YouTube. It's only video gets fifteen twenty minutes. It's all like about old historic Soviet stuff, like um, Cold War stuff. But anyway, he he goes around and just the people he meets, the situation he puts himself into, and it comes down to is he, he can speak various he can speak about three or four languages. So, and that's one gift, Sam. I do regret not knowing to speak more languages. Yeah, but two. But I like I imagine if you could speak Mandarin, Russian, Hindi, Spanish, French, you covered half the world. 
Well, I'll, go, I'll get by all right in Spain. In Spain, you're probably going to run, but but Just I mean, as you mix mixture of Spanish and Italian, you get by. Yeah, but imagine if you could speak those five, six languages fluently. Yep, you'd be you'd be oh, and um, Bahasa. Yeah, that's what I said. So, so if you speak English, Mandarin, Russian, Russian, uh, French, Spanish, uh, Hindi, and if you could throw Bahasa in there. Oh, in Arabic, there you go. There's eight languages. Arabic, yeah. Where's Bahasa if you from? Can, Bahasa's Indonesia, Southeast Asia. Right, okay. So you get a pretty, like, I look at this way, if you speak to people in multiple kind of like Indonesia, how many hundreds of millions of people there between Indonesia? But to Bolivia, learn all of those, what you mention, five or six languages, to learn all of those fluently take a lifetime anyway. Well, funny you say that. I mean, I've got a, I met a, I met a no guy. I think it was seven, it was eight languages you could speak in the end. All right, we better wrap up. How, we, how long have we been going? An hour? Yeah. Already? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it just cool. flies. All right, my, uh, my battery's going to die on my laptop soon, so I've got to uh, convert this to audio and get it up. All right, All right buddy. It's have been great. Talk to, nice. you, talk to you later on. Ciao, man. Ciao. Marcatore di Tanavaro. Palla tagliata. Messa fuori. C'è Pirlo, Pirlo. Pirlo, ancora. Pirlo, di tecco. Tiro.